What's up, everybody? This is Keith from the Bronx Lounge. Thanking you for tuning in to today's episode as Cav and I break down all things Yankees baseball and have a great time. Check us out on all social platforms at the Bronx Lounge for daily Yankee content and to join the awesome community we hope to build. We hope you enjoy this episode just as much as we enjoy making it. And without further ado, sit back, relax, and let's talk some Yankees in the Bronx Lounge. Hello, everybody. Good morning and welcome back to the Bronx Lounge Podcast. The Yankees lose two out of three at the stadium to the Chicago Cubs in pretty disappointing fashion. We were at the stadium for the implosion of yesterday's blowout. Not blowout, I'm sorry game and we have a lot to talk about coming out of this series coming into the all-star break a lot of housekeeping some stuff to get into from the games we'll start it off with some introduction good morning keith how are we feeling are we a little hungover from the game yesterday are we tired mm-hmm. how are we feeling? we're everything we're tired we're annoyed um, we're disappointed mostly that was kind of just like a, just such a shitty Especially the ending, that was such a shitty series. Um, you know, you really thought you had momentum going with the way Game 2 went. Uh, you got shut out by Jamison Tyone, who has not been good really at all this year. And then, you know, you got you come in and a lot of expectations to hit a, hit him around, and then you don't. Um, you know, it's it's pretty, pretty unfortunate. And then the bullpen had a bad game, Game 3, which kind of, you know, and, you know, a couple things that also in the game went out that really, you know, flipped the script, it's, you know, Shitty way to go out and just look bad this weekend. Now you're in fourth place in the division, um, you know, and then you just had some another behind the scenes uh, thing go on that really is going to be, you know, how does that, how are we moving on from that throughout the season? You know, like what kind of impact will that have throughout the season? So, yeah, uh, overall this weekend was pretty disappo- pretty disappointing. Um, not really a whole lot of like you know, cool things to take out of it, honestly. Just, I don't know, really, like, another, I don't know, I feel like we just had so much more of these after-series just bad feelings in our gut about, you know, where we're going from there because it's just, it's series like this that just makes this team, you know, you leave, you're left in so many questions with this team. Yeah, I mean, the Cubs are not a very good team. I mean, they're probably at the deadline going to be selling. I mean, a lot of people are talking about, you know, Cody Bellinger and how the Yankees should target him. So for a team that is looking like they're going to be selling off pieces at the deadline, to come into the All-Star break losing two of three at home against this team when you had you know, ample opportunity to win all three of these games is definitely going to leave a bad taste in fans' mouth coming into the break. And then you know, some other things happen as well that leave a bad taste. Let's talk about it. Let's get into it. We'll start with some housekeeping before we get into the games. The first thing I want to talk about is the Dylan Lawson. I don't know if we can call it a firing because the Yankees continue to say they relieved him of his duties, but we know that is a fire. Parting ways. A parting parting ways. ways. Um, obviously, this is the first time that Cashman has let go of a coach or manager midseason. We know that he's come out and publicly said, you know, on multiple occasions that he's, you know, really not fond of doing that. He he would rather 
you know, let the ebbs and flows play out during the season and make his moves in the offseason not to disrupt, you know, how the season's going. But obviously, the offensive struggles have been well documented. And it kind of seems like Dylan Lawson is going to be the one who takes the fall here for the offensive struggles. I don't know if that's entirely fair. I don't really know how much of an impact he has on, you know, some of the key guys in this lineup because we do know that most of these guys have their personal hitting coaches that, you know, they go to for work. So I'm not sure if, you know, the offensive struggles really go on Dylan Lawson. It is a little interesting, though, because the Yankees, besides the first game, you know, where you talked about Tyone shut us down, the offense has been okay as of late. They've been scoring, you know, some more runs in the last couple of series. So for it to come on a day where they had, you know, over 10 hits and for the offense to, you know, look like they're starting to gain a little bit of traction without Aaron Judge is definitely interesting. And I wanted to get your opinion on the firing itself. Um, I don't think it addresses any problem as like, you know, I think a little bit probably, you know, I don't, I mean, hitting coach definitely has some sort of impact on what, you know, how their team is is hitting and, you know, the type of adjustments that he, he tells them to make and, you know, it's stuff like that that could have possibly ruined them and, you know, whatnot. So you don't you don't entirely know the type of impact that a guy like him would have. I'm, I'm wondering kind of, like, is, yeah, is that kind of like, there's, is that another front office scapegoat or like, you know, try not to put the blame on the players or themselves type thing? It's like, it's another one of those coaches' fault or someone else's fault type. I don't know, because... I really, it's, you know, Donaldson, Rizzo, DJ, Stanton, you know, these are guys that have been in the league for now 10 plus years, you know, they have their own set of tools to figure it out, you know, it's not like, it's not like all bit of their mechanics rely on a hitting coach, and, you know, he's the he's the reason why their swing is so bad, I mean, obviously the, the adjustments he could have, you know, recommended to them you know they could that could have been a piece and whatnot but i don't know i just don't think that's entirely the real reason like i mean i don't know i i it wasn't really you know when the hire at the at the time wasn't really you know a a hire that we were all impressed with we weren't like all right perfect you know this is a guy that you know this is a hitting coach we know that can that can provide us some leeway for you know, however long, like this was a minor league, this was a guy who never even coached above minor league ball. So it's, it's, I don't know. It was kind of expected at the same time. You know, it's not like he's, he's a hitting coach that should have bought this offense to a 280 hitting offense, 300 hitting offense. But, um, yeah, I don't, I think this was, I don't know. I, I don't really think there's a whole lot of, I don't, I really don't know. There's, it's so weird to go about this because I just, I feel like it's just, he is not entirely the guy to blame. But at the same time, it's, you know, could have expected it. Yeah, and I do commend Cashman in, in a, you know, in a small way for making this happen. Because it's obviously, we've talked about it podcast after podcast after podcast. The offense has just not been good. It's been awful. And, you know, we are seeing some glimpses of it being better now. But it hasn't been good. And that's been the reason that the Yankees have, you know, been losing games. You know, the pitching staff's been really good. It's been the hitting. So for, you know, Cashman to go out and make a move like this, I think, you know, you do have to 
kind of give him a little bit of credit because like you know like I brought up he's not one to do this midseason so you know the Yankees have been calling for you know us fans have been calling for you know something to ha to happen and obviously Dylan Lawson has not been the guy that has been you know in our in our posts and in our thoughts of you know who needs to leave it's been you know particularly players and you know maybe some other coaches and, and staff but for him to make a move I think does show that they're not happy with the way the offense is performing and I think that does you know give a little bit of light you know to some Yankee fans who might think that the Yankees just don't care and it's actually kind of like I don't know maybe do you think that could possibly be some sort of sign that you know this is now showing Steinbrenner and Cashman are willing to make you know moves of some sort I mean we're right we're literally right next to the deadline you know it's it's in a, it's in a few days so um oh yeah I mean definitely I mean I think this has to give you that kind of feeling I mean they're not just sitting back they're not you know they're not waiting for judge to come back you know obviously they're willing to make these moves now and you know we've heard this deadline after deadline with guys who are hurt and coming back you know these are these are our deadline acquisitions you know when judge comes back he's going to be a deadline acquisition when Nestor comes back he's going to be a deadline acquisition they're not sitting back and waiting for those guys they're going to start making these moves and i think another big piece of this that also proves you know what you're saying is the fact that cashman went out and said that they're going to try to go outside of the organization to replace him so they're not just you know they're not just scapegoating lawson and you know staying in the organization with you know guys who have the same exact philosophies as dylan lawson and it's just kind of like you know heads moving chairs you're actually bringing in somebody outside of the organization to try to help this team offensively and i think that piece of it is also is a testament to the fact that they are trying to make changes in the right direction. And, and that's why I think that Cashman does deserve a little bit of credit here. Yeah, I think I saw something about how Cashman, something about Colorado, I think it was. He was looking somewhere in Colorado for, um, oh, yeah, here. It's Brian Cashman said that the next hitting coach will come from outside the organization and he wants the new person in place by the Colorado. Oh, oh, okay. All right, I saw Colorado and I thought it was something about Colorado. Okay. It was just that he wants someone. He wants someone new before this, before uh, the next series after the All-Star break. Gotcha. Yeah, we right. open up in Colorado. So. All right. Yeah. All right. I thought. All right. I thought that just meant he wanted a Colorado uh, thing. But yeah, uh, I don't know. This could. Uh, what kind of answer could this have on the? the you know. And I actually, I wonder about that for you. Do you think that this like affects the players like in a way of you know. I don't know. I mean, everyone always grows chemistry with their coach. You know, someone that's with them every day, teaching them shit. It's like you know, like you know, is that going to be a? I don't know. Would that be a positive? So that's a negative. Like, what do you think? I mean, you always hear people talk about how sometimes the voice just needs to change. I mean, I I, I know you're a Nick fan, and I, I know uh, listening to some Nick's talk shows last year, some people were saying that Tibbs needed to leave, not because you know really of how he was coaching, but it seemed like some of the guys just weren't weren't listening to him anymore they needed a new voice and I do think that that does have some play in sports locker rooms from time to time maybe you know maybe Dylan Lawson is teaching the right things and you know he's he's a very smart you know baseball mind a good hitting coach that all can be true but if the players start to you know tune you out and not listen to you you know they might need to make a change just for the you know simple fact of shaking things up and getting a new voice in there and if that is the case I think there could be some some good things that come out of this because maybe, you know, what he was trying to, you know, teach and preach about started, you know, lying on deaf ears and bringing a new guy in might change that for some guys. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, 
Dylan Lawson being out and a new you know uh, hitting coach coming in, meaning that DJ is going to turn back into DJ or Josh Donaldson's going to start hitting. But you never know. Like it could it could flip some guys. You know, having different eyes on you know guys and you know their mechanics are it's it's is always a beneficial thing. Now you get a new set of eyes in there. With, you know, with with a different opinion. You know that that might be able to give some different insight insight to these guys. And I think it could be very beneficial, and I hope it is. Yeah, and I mean, you also need, like, the outside of the organization type, you need someone that also has experience in a way that, like, can back him up as well. Because if you have, if you if you hire another Dylan Lawson, who, let's see, he, uh, he coached at Lindenwood University and a bunch of, so, like, South, Southeast Missouri State University, Moorhead State University. So he's, he, he's, he, he's never really coached at any sort of, I don't know, good level. Um, the Quad City River Bandits is like the highest level, so you know he doesn't. He's, he's only he coached like six other teams that are like single A, double A, like single A ball. Like so, you need someone with experience as well. You need someone that can kind of give you, uh, you know, finally give you just some oomph back in this offense because this was not if 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 Dylan Lawson was to blame, um, you know, if he was actually a huge part of the reason, you know. The reason why players swings or and or were so bad and why they can't make contact is because of him. Then you know, great great idea by cat or great choice by Cashman because it's not like it's not like him to make a decision like that um, mid season. And that all that it honestly it really did surprise me that they like because like because you once again like you just don't see that from especially from Cashman. Like I, I like I, when we were saying in the car ride home, I was like, dude, I can't believe they actually they, they just fired him. Like yeah, that was like out of that. Had, that's like an out of rage, like because they did that last year at the deadline. That was like an out of rage thing. Like they like last year at the deadline, they traded for Benintendi after they lost to the Mets, and then and then you know this year after they blow it against uh, a bad under five hundred team against the Cubs, you, you know hire or you fire the guy that's possibly the reason that your offense is at a historically all time bad. Oh, yeah. uh, aside from uh, aside from Dylan Lawson, um, I think we got. I mean, unless you have anything else to add, I think we kind of got. Yeah, I think we can move out on. of the way. Yeah, Nestor, he threw twenty pitches, felt no pain. That was a uh, he threw a bullpen session before uh, uh, the third game of the series, and Booney and Nestor said Nestor said he felt no pain. Booney said he looked good, felt no pain, um, and they're we're looking for an early to middle August return. So that's good. He was also transferred to the 60-day. Uh, that was kind of like the uh, retro move for Rodon. But, yeah, that's, I mean, counting down the days for for Nestor to come back with, you know, with Severino being bad, you know, that's going to slide Nestor right into to the three. Yeah, I mean, it, it is really lost in the fire now that he's been hurt, you know, for this, you know, long stretch of time. He was not good at the beginning of the year. I mean, every single, you know, Nestor start to begin the year – was not good. We were talking about it on the podcast. I mean, it wasn't to Severino levels, but it was it was concerning. And you know, now he's been gone for so long. We're starting, you know, to finally get some good news on him. Um, but you know, still, a, you know, an early to mid August return, so we're still, you know, a ways away. I kind of just want him, especially with the way the pitching staff is going right now. I, I'm feeling okay about Clark and Herman, and you know, obviously Rodon and Cole. That. I, I almost want him to just continue to, you know, take it slow. I want him to be 100% when he comes back because 
I don't think the Nestor that we saw at the beginning of the year was 100%, and that I don't want to see that Nestor at all. Like, I'd rather him just not even be pitching. So I'm, I'm happy to get the good news, but I want the continued, you know, slow, take-your-time process with him rehabbing, and I want him to come back fully healthy when he does. Well, I mean, you have to – I mean, that stretch of badness could have been from the fact that he had a lingering shoulder injury. So, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so – I don't know, but yeah, I mean, it is good news that Nestor's coming back. Is once again all hands on deck is all is all you want, and you know, hopefully we get the Nestor that we uh, that we know he can turn into with his, you know, his not nasty pitches and his good windups and all that. And a pretty some pretty big surprise one we uh, during the middle of the game yesterday. Johnny Lu- Johnny Luizica, he threw ten pitches on the flat ground. I mean, he's not really he's not he's not like a couple weeks away. He's still a couple months away. He's expected in September, but. A little bit of an update on Loisaga, and that's pretty darn cool, not going to lie. Yeah, I know there were some people that were hoping that we might get an update that maybe late August we could see him, and Boone was pretty pretty adamant that it's still looking like it's going to be, be September. But once again, we haven't heard his name in a little bit, so like you said, good to hear his name. Yep, not really much to talk about there, but cool to see that. Donaldson, uh, he uh, got a little banged up. I don't know what really happened there on that swing in Game 3, maybe like, Age is getting to him. Just pulled up, pulled the hammy real quick, and or pulled the quad real quick. And did you ever but, fake an injury when you were playing sports because you were playing bad? Oh yeah. <laughs> you think that's I'm what not, it was? I'm not saying anything. I'm just, I'm just, I just wanted to ask you a question. You think that? You think that's what? Oh, what you're trying to expose me? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm just making a joke. I, I don't know. I because because we were at the game, it didn't look like anything. He popped it up into you know the first first base foul ground territory. And then you know five minutes go by and you know he's in he's in the locker room so yeah I don't know I was I was just making a joke but yeah he was in and out too he was fine anyway after after that Jake Bowers uh, is on the IL uh, they called up Franchi they called up Franchi for uh, for that I would have gone uh, Floreal. So here is here's the only problem and I'm I, I'm with you it, it, to me it would have been Floreal too I was listening to Kay on the Michael K show late last week and he gave the perfect answer to why it's not been Florial and it make it totally makes sense because he's not on the 40 man roster so if if they wanted to call up Florial they'd have to DFA somebody so Cordero's on the roster and even though I'd rather Florial too to them it's not worth bringing Florial up and having to lose somebody on the 40 man roster if they could just bring up Cordero and they can keep Florial in the minors he stays with the he stays with the team. They don't have to worry about losing him later on because he's also out of options. So if they bring him up right now while Bowers is on the IL, he comes off the IL in two weeks. If they try to send Florial down, he's going to have to pass through waivers again. And I think they're a little worried that he might not pass through waivers again because of how well he's been playing. So again, I'm a Florial guy too in this situation, but there there is sense behind why they haven't done it. And it's because he's just not on the roster. They should just DFA Josh Donaldson. I don't know. <laughs> that would just make sense. <laughs> I don't know. That would just make sense, but uh, no, yeah, I, that that is that does make sense. The whole forty man. I mean, big reason. Uh, Franchi's. I mean, yeah, Franchi hasn't had his magic since fucking April, so it's not like he's been. Preferred. He can't hit off speed pitches, and once they once teams figured that out, he's not going to be a valuable piece. Why don't you DFA him then? I mean, I mean, like, cause it's really it, he's not. He doesn't. He's not anything. He's a DH that can't hit. Sometimes, like he had that, he had a good stretch of home. Or like he's a power hitter. That's it. He can hit bombs, but he's not like a consistent, not at all consistent hitter. Um, I don't know. 
don't know what you could do right there. Uh, Judge, a little bit of an update on Judge. He played catch in the outfield, and he's hit, he's hitting off a tee. Um, so that's that's good. He's not going to travel to Seattle. He actually um, posted something on Instagram, a whole little love letter about how he's not going to be able <laughs> to play in the uh, in the All Star game. So Judge is not starting, guys. Judge is not playing. Don't expect Aaron Judge to be there. Um, but he's hitting off a tee and he's in the outfield. So slow and steady updates for Judge. A torn ligament's so tricky, man. And I mean, there's just been so much. I don't know if you're on Twitter a lot, and I mean, you are. Me and you are, obviously. Uh, but there's always people posting these articles, and whether it's for just headlines and whether it's just for you know, just for money and all that. But you know, there's always these headlines where it's like you know. This torn ligament looks like looks worse than it actually is, or or Aaron, like Aaron Judge's not career, but Aaron Judge's seasons in jeopardy. You know, like this, like type. You know, if it is if it is that serious, like you know, like we could like I don't know, like that could be that is just bad. Like if he's seriously could be out for the year, which I don't I don't know. I don't think he's gonna be out for the year. I think it be I think he's going to I think he's going to force himself to come back, but we're I don't know. I don't even see him coming back to like late August September. I'm worried about this more and more now because we see what this injury did to G to did to DJ. They tried to rehab him. They tried, they put him on the IL last year. They rested him. They tried to let him come back late and he wasn't the same player. He wasn't able to come back. And then in the off season, they debated having surgery. They decided to not go that route with him. Judge comes out and says that he's ruling out having surgery during the year, but he's not ruling it out in the off season. So to me, that means he needs surgery on that toe. They're going to wait until the off season <laughs> to do it. And for the time being, they're going to try to rehab him back as much as they can to try to get him back at, you know, maybe 70, 75% of what Aaron Judge is towards the end of the year. We saw last year that that didn't work with DJ. I know Judge and DJ are very different players, and I know that I'm a DJ stan, so I'm a little bit biased here. But I, I don't know if we're going to really see the Aaron Judge that we know at all for the rest of the year. If he does come back, I think he's going to be limited. I think he's going to be in the DH spot. He's not going to be running the bases like we see. He's not going to have the same impact that, you know, the MVP Aaron Judge has on this Yankee team. And the more and more that I hear about this, the more and more concerned I get. No, definitely he's not going to have it. He's, I just That's why I, I kind of think, like, you know, would you – I, I, once again, I know he has. Obviously, everyone knows he has such an impact. But you know, would you would you have just had the surgery now? Because he's not like you know, whatever. Just going to wait two months and just have a half broken Aaron Judge. I mean, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. This team's already this team's already playing horrendously bad as as it is. I mean, you know, Aaron Judge just being. I mean, if it's seriously just Aaron Judge being in the lineup so they can figure it out, then. <laughs> throw him out there while he's then throw him out there right now but it's like i don't know i just don't understand would you have would you have him have the surgery right now i kind of tend to agree with you for the same reasons that you do i mean if this team was playing well and there were you know and we could look at this team right now and say hey if judge comes back and they make a couple of moves at the deadline we think that they are serious contenders then i'd say no like we then then let him rehab you know we'll see him in august september and you know get as much of him as we can as possible for you know a big run I just I agree with you. I don't really see that right now. Like I know how much of an impact he has, but do you really like can you like imagine in your mind Judge coming back into this lineup and, you know, all of a sudden they're back to, you know, being one of the top contenders in baseball? I just don't know if I see it right now. So for for me, I totally agree. If you don't see that and if you're the Yankees and you don't see that, 
why don't you just do it now and and, sh- and you and that way you ensure that he's going to be ready for opening day next year. The surgery will be done. He'll have plenty of time to rehab. You know, you won't have to worry about it. The farther and farther you push it, you know, the more and more problems and concerns that you might run into. So I agree. If they don't, but again, I think the Yankees organization thinks that they are contenders. I know we don't see it. I think they do though. So I, I that's why I don't think it's going to happen. But I totally agree. If I was in this position, I might just have him do the, have the surgery now and shut him down. And it all comes down to what you just said. Like if it's, it's not, it's like it's just the Yankees. Like they can, I don't know. They do. They, I feel like they continue to shoot themselves in the foot with that type of stuff. Like they did it with DJ. Uh, and even Montas before the season, you know, Montas, like, they waited literally, they, you know, we had the whole entire fucking off season to, you know, to recover and all that and get your surgeries and figure shit out. And they wait till February and then they announced that he needed shoulder surgery. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. They continue to shoot themselves in the foot. It, it could look bad at one point. It, it honestly, it is getting concerning. That's why I brought it up. It, it just, it really does. Like, you know, when you see, you know, whether they're, whether they're just headlines and just, you know, fake stories you know but when you see all those headlines like that it, it is it just it does jump out at you yeah and before we jump into game one you asked me if i had anything else on dylan lawson i said no and i forgot there was just one more quick point i wanted to make i think this puts a little bit more pressure on booney because this was booney's staff and for the first couple of years when things weren't going well they kept booney they let him keep his staff everybody around him was safe last year they get rid of phil nevin which was you know boone's best friend on Thank staff God. now it's dylan lawson gone like, obviously, Boone is still there, and I think they still believe in Boone, but I think they are starting to put a little bit of pressure on Boone, you know, saying, like, you know, listen, man, your staff is not doing it. And, you know, whether we believe in you or not, like, these moves, we're going to start making these moves, and I, I think they are putting a little bit more pressure on Booney, you know, by getting rid of Dylan Lawson. And I think, you know, for a lot of people who don't like Booney, Keith O'Neill included, I think that's mm. a good sign. Yeah, not really a Booney. I'm more... Well... I'm a Boone guy if he just wasn't a manager, dude. That's it. <laughs> just wasn't a manager. I, I don't know. <laughs> let's yeah. get into game one. Um, let's actually, I don't know. Let's not get into game one. That kind yeah, of let's, just not, let's just not talk about game one at all. <laughs> yeah, seriously, that sucked. 3 nothing shutout against J-Mo. Um, you Listen, know, he... we, we talked about it on the, on, the, on the end of the last pod, and then I'll let you go. Tyone had the worst ERA in the National League coming in. 6-9-7. 6 nine, seven. Six, nine seven. ERA in the NL. Yep, six nine seven ERA, and he uh, he shut us out. He he went eight innings. He gave up one singular hit. Uh, we struck out four times, and he walked two. So um, yeah, um, uh, hats off to an old friend. Not really an old friend of mine, <laughs> again. You know, um, Glaber had the only hit, and that was really it. Um, Rodon, that was actually that's the headline. That's that's really it. Um, Rodon came in. That was his first ever game with the Yankees. I thought he did just fine. Yep, me too. I thought he, I thought he did exactly what he had to do. Two earned runs, you know, that's exactly what you expect out of it. That's honestly literally ex- exactly the type of line you would expect out of a com- like coming out. Like five and a thirds, two earned runs, two strikeouts. That's I'm fine with that. And I mean, your offense just goes absolutely quiet, so... You know, two earned runs is, you know, nothing more you could ask for right there. And, you know, he looked good. I Honestly, he looked he looked good. Um, you know, sometimes he got into a little bit of some jams, but um, 
you know, honestly, and he he got me pumped up a few times. So I don't know. I, I like I liked it. I was pretty. I was pretty hyped. I was really. I was really hyped just just for this entire start and and really I was really looking forward to it. Uh, a series of uh, finally a back to back of Rodon and Cole, dude. I was so looking forward to that. Oh yeah, and I mean he gave us more length than I than I think all of us thought he was going to to give us because he is still on the pitch count. They're still working him up, and we saw in you know his rehab assignments he was going three innings. You know, with the with the pitch clock that they had him on, he's able to go five and a third in this one. So he's you know he's actually able to give them a little bit of length. He gave the homer to Belly, which you know, a nice it looking made homer. Everyone problem, to be cry. With you. <laughs> it made everyone cry. But made everyone cry. But yeah, I mean the strikeouts weren't there, but he was able to give a little bit of length. He wasn't a blow up. He we did see some good things out of him. And then the last point you made is the point that I wanted to make. The end of the first inning. He strikes out um, the three hitter, which is uh, Hap. He strikes out Hap. Oh, Hap. Yes, in Hap. And he's walking off the mound. He's like talking to himself. He's yelling at himself. He's got the chest out, the mustache. You were you were so spot on. I don't curse a lot on this podcast, but Rodon fires me the fuck up. Like that guy. I am really excited to see this mm-hmm. guy continue to pitch. Do you know what he said? What did he say? He said hi, everybody. He screamed hi, everybody. Dude, Is that's that what he said? Dirty. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's dirty. Yeah. But, uh, oh. yeah, that was sick. I'm, 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 so, I'm all for, like, that swag type thing. But, you know, Rodon is just, you know, just being a lefty, too, even makes it even better. Like, just a power lefty like that is really – and, I mean, we're just – consistency and, the, and we just hope for the injury not to get in the way. Because you do know the injury history of Rodon. You do know that. So that's all you got to hope from him. But if we continue to get – you know, and then it's going to keep building up where he's going to, you know, possibly go 6-7. So, um, 6-7 innings. So, yeah, I mean, Rodon, um, good. I, I was, uh, I was very, uh, I was very pleased with his start. And I'm, and I'm very excited to see what kind of, uh, what kind of action he brings us moving forward. Um, yeah. And I mean, the other, the other thing to point out is, you know, he was all, he was able to give us 5.1, which in terms of Carlos Rodon was pretty solid, but 5.1 is, you know, not a ton. So you do need innings out of your bullpen. And even though the offense did nothing, it, it was still a close game up until the end. So, mm-hmm. you know, they went to Hamilton, Marinaccio, Kingley, and Holmes in this game. So that means that in game two, they needed some length out of Cole. And I think that they got Which, that. They got that. Yeah, wow, they got that. But they they only kept Rodon. They were only keeping Rodon in for 70, 75 pitches. They took him out at 69 pitches. Um so very nice to see that. Um, but Ian Hamilton came in, and then Notch, Kaylee, and Holmes. They just but the offense goes absolutely dead. Um, that's and the at bats were awful too. They just, just weren't the, competitive. Yeah, just the theme of the entire, just the theme of the year. Once again, I feel it's the theme of the past couple of weeks. Offense dead. Um, they tried Volpe in the leadoff spot. Didn't they? Didn't they? Didn't go back to it after that. Um, so that was just. Actually, uh, they was, did. No, they did. Yes, in game two. Yes, I'm sorry. But yesterday, yesterday, he was hitting eighth. Yeah, misinformation. Yeah, come from leadoff to eighth. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, but yeah, they had Volpe in the leadoff back to back, and uh, but you know, just the the entire offense goes dead. Nothing more you can really say about it. Stanton looks shitty. Uh, and again, I mean, expect except for game two, which I guess we can just go into game two now. Uh, game two, Stanton did not look shitty. He looks he looks good. He had two home runs. <laughs> He had two bombs. Well, actually, one bomb and a, and a wall scraper. <laughs> yeah, yeah so a, tri- a, a triple that they called the home run for him. Uh, 
I well, I wasn't even home for that one, but was he did that? Was that a? It was it was a funky play. First they called it a triple, then they called it a home run. They said it went over. Just a. Was it was it over? Oh yeah, it looked over. I'm oh okay. Messing around. Oh okay. All right. Yeah. Um. So Stanton had two home runs. Uh, dude, if Stanton had a triple, man, you don't ever see that. That's Never. funny. Don- Donaldson had a scooper. He had a homer. Um, Went golfing. Yeah, he did. Garrett, Garrett freaking Cole, man. Seven and a third. Uh, probably left him in a little too long. Um, but he looked sharp for the first six and two-thirds of innings, man. He looked really good. Um and actually, that's still seven innings, really. He, went, he did really good. Um, and, you know, that's kind of just Garrett Cole's going to have those games, you know, like those stretches of where he goes, good start, decent start, and like kind of like not a good start. And then, you know, good start, and then not, like, eh. Like, you know, it's just Garrett Cole's a really consistently basic pitcher again. I don't know. It's about seven and a, seven and a thirds. Good, good freaking performance by Garrett Cole. Yeah, like you said, I think Boone Booney might have left him in a little bit too long. He gave up those two runs, you know, at the end of the start. And like I said, the reason I pointed out, you know, the the pitchers that they used in game one out of the pen is because, you know, we saw it play out. Booney obviously wanted to get length out of, out of Cole. And, you know, he did, you know, left him in a little too long, and it didn't matter because the offense was able to score enough that those two runs didn't really mean much at the end of his start. But again, coming into the All-Star break, he's the only Yankee who's going to be going to Seattle and a seven-inning, three-earn performance. You know, his ERA now sits at 285. I think at the end of the first half for Garrett Cole, we've gotten pretty much all we can ask for. I mean, you know, we had the domination in the first month and a half, a little bit of struggles, but at the end of it, the ERA is still at 285, and he's been overall great for this team. 100%. And it's guys like him that, you know, if it weren't for him, um, you know, who knows what this team would be. And if it wasn't for this pitching staff, you know, they really held it down as much as they could. Um for a bad offense, they've held it down as much as they could. So, Michael King also came in. Um, Michael King also came in, um, and he uh, he's starting to get back on his little groove again. So that's good because he looked he had a pretty bad stretch last couple weeks. So that was good, and the Yankees took a game. So I mean, at least we didn't get swept. But um, offense also showed out. You know, Stan and Donaldson were pretty much it. Um, Bader also had a two-run double. Yeah, and a good win for game two. I mean, Stanton, obviously, two home runs is really good to see. He's been struggling, so really good to see that. You know, we would get some runs up on the board. Cole with a good start. Only have to use King out of the pen. A really nice Saturday game. 100%. One gripe. One one gripe on the Saturday game, and it's a personal gripe, and I told you on Saturday personally, and I'm going to catch a lot of heat for this, but i got to say it. I don't remember. Shackle did Susan's spot on the radio. I listened to the game on the radio on Saturday. I'm sorry, John Sterling and Susan are New York Yankee treasures. They're great people, they're super nice, they know the game, yada, yada, yada. Justin Shackle's got to be doing more games, in my opinion. Justin Shackle is really good on the radio. I think he gives better insight and better information. I think the game is easier to listen to when Justin Shackle calls it, whether he's the top guy for Sterling or the second or the second spot for Susan. And I know nobody's going to agree with me on this, and I know I'm going to catch a lot of heat. But I just had to say it because every single time I listen to a game on the radio that Shackle is a part of, I find it to just be a better overall radio broadcast. 
That's because the I think the game's past John now. It's I think it I think it has. And Susan too. I mean Susan sometimes oh, Susan together. Sometimes just listening them to them to get together, you know, I'll be in the car and I'll just kinda like shake my head. You know, like they, uh, they do have these moments where they kinda black uh, out a little bit. Man, something. they have more than moments, dude. They have so much like they have so many like bumps in that broadcast in that broadcast with them too as well. And I mean I mean, they're such good friends. That's the only thing that really makes it like, because if you really like, they listen. You look, it's like brother and sister talking type thing. But um, but yeah, uh, I like. I actually met Justin Shackles, so I mean, it's it's really cool to uh, to kind of you know hear that. And he's he's he is really good because he started off as the uh, he's on the field, you know, on the on the big on the big screen jumbotron and center field guy. He was you know. Talking about, he was talking about, he was recapping the game before, you know, at Yankee Stadium. So, you know, it's really cool to see him take over, and um, he is he is really good at it. So, that's uh, I uh, I'm honestly never ever really on WFAN as much. I I just like to watch it more than the radio. I just the radio is like, I don't know. I'm such a I'm more visual than I am listening. But yeah, he's Shaq. Shaq is Shaq is good. Um. Sterling's just kind of, you know, I mean, and Sterling's, what, 88 or something like that. Sterling's old. He's old. He's old, definitely. Or 84. 84. He's 84. That's what he is. Um, so, I mean, you know, time's gone by from him. So, and, I mean, it's also, it's probably time for him to hang it up. Oh, yeah. I think, Sterling's, right, hanging, I, I think Sterling's hanging around for one more World Series. I think that's all it is. Yeah, well, they, you know, let's hope we get one before before we get to a point where he might, you know, we might have now, this game bothers me the most. Game three. Let's get into it because we were at this game. It was a really fun start. It looked like it was going to be a really fun game to be at. Yeah. And then it really turned to crap real quickly. And I know we have a lot of gripes and a lot of talking points from this game. So let's just jump right into it. They go up 4-1. Domingo has a no-hitter through, I think it was four innings. Gives six. Up the homer in, through six? It was six. All right. No, five. It was through five innings. It was five innings. Yes, it was five. He gives up the sh- the homer. I thought we thought. Well, I thought Billy McKinney caught it. He uh, didn't. Um, the throw it back chance. Whatever. He gave up the one run. But Volpe and Higgy with back to back homers. They go up four one. Domingo looks like he's rolling. He gives up the base runner in the top of the seventh. He's at seventy four pitches, and Booney pulls him. So that's the first thing I want to talk about. Did you like the pull or did you not? No, like no, didn't like it. Don't know why. Domingo's been cruising all year. Domingo knows. Domingo wants to just keep going. I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. I just don't. I don't, I mean, I'm, unless I'm really missing something of the fact that, I just, I know, I don't. I know you're always going to be afraid of, you know, third time of the order, and when you give up a base runner, you know, they could rally off that. I understand that, but no, you just don't. With 74 pitches, and he, like, the pitching the way, he has nine strikeouts. And I don't, no, you can't take him out right there. Especially the way that the bullpen was used this week, you know, you literally you going and then going into that, you use seven, you use six other pitchers after him. And, yeah, from uh, the seventh inning on. Yeah, so it's uh, no, I don't like it at all. Yeah, so I I don't like it either. He was only at seven four pitches. He was cruising. You keep him in there. I mean, you have a three run lead. You have a little bit of cushion. It's not like it's a one run game where, you know. You are worried about, you know, maybe Domingo giving up a home run there because he is susceptible to giving up homers. I mean, even a home run there, you still have the lead. He was rolling. I'd keep him in, too. 
And then they bring in Ian, Ian, Ian Hamilton, and it really wasn't Ian Hamilton's fault. And then here is the biggest talking point of the game for us, at least, and it's the Glaber error. Because you, Ian gets the double play ball right to Glaber at second base. He's going to get out of the inning. Even though we're a little annoyed that Herman gets taken out, Ian Hamilton's about to do the job, get the double play. We're about to go into the bottom of the seventh, still with a 4-1 lead. Everything's good. And Glaber just boots the ball. It leads to a huge inning. They lose the lead. I know you were a lot more annoyed about this Glaber error than I was, so I'm going to give the floor to you. Mm. Yeah, that pissed me off a lot because it's so because this is not it's this is it's so it's done by Glaber so much. A Glaber at such bad times just has these bone like just these such like easy plays, dude. They're such easy grounders and i mean like that was a double play ball out of the inning you like we're done out of the out of there and like i just don't understand he does this all the time with with just plays that you need to get out of innings you need to you know you need to just you know get yourself going and you know we're out of this inning no problem and he just i don't understand it i just don't and it's such a common theme with glaber and that's the reason why the yankees were so you know that it's moments like that that just like you know that's the reason why the Yankees are so hesitant with him. You know, it just they don't. I don't know. That was such a bad. That's such a bad look on him, and it was. So at such at such a crucial time as well for no reason, and it, it literally flipped the entire game. I was pissed just being there. I hate when I hate when I'm there and they lose. A lot of money to be spent. Yeah, I mean the error was just horrendous. I mean it was it was a, it was a tailor made double play ball. The ball was hit the second base, but to the right. So it would have just been an easy flip to Volpe. He, he was close to the bag. It was literally a double play made from the baseball gods to get the Yankees out of that inning and keep the lead. And he just totally muffs it. It leads, you know, to the big inning. And then you bring in Marinaccio. Marinaccio gives up a hit, walks two, obviously has no command. Canely can't come in with the bases loaded, nobody out. And you can't even really expect him to 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 come out of that unscathed, he doesn't. Marinaccio comes up with the loss, and Marinaccio was awful. And then, you know, you get the rain delay, Nick Ramirez and Clark Schmidt coming at the end of this game. Nick Ramirez doesn't have it. The bullpen just completely implodes in this game, but it really all starts from the Glaber error because without the Glaber error, Hamilton gets out of that unscathed. You know, if, you know, Marinaccio blows up, but maybe Canley's able to keep it to a couple of runs and keep the lead, Clay Holmes can come in. You know, maybe the game ends a little bit differently. So, uh, to me and to you, obviously as well, the Glaber error was the turning point of this game, and I don't even really blame the bullpen as much as I blame Glaber Torres. Yeah, no, the, I think Glaber is easily the turning point, turning point of the entire game. That was uh, that was actually annoying, um, and it's literally errors like that you see it all the time. I feel like we see it here. I think there's just been so much of those errors that, like, so many of those plays that just have changed the game. So, yeah, that really was aggravating being there. Um, but it was also a fun, a fun time being there, I guess. You know, with, with aside from the losing, that was, you know, still a fun time with the boys. But, yeah, and then, you know, Canley comes in. That was, you know, the first really, like, run Canley gave up. He didn't – it was in his earned run, so his ERA is still at zero. But Canley didn't really look great either. Um, yeah. I'll say the – but even if, I honestly, I – I think the bullpen looked great. Everyone came in and they, you know, they still had, they all had trouble. Um, no, not Marinaccio especially. I mean, I came when he came in. I literally, you were sitting next to me. I'm like, ah, this guy's been a little shaky lately. 
And, and he was uh, he was awful. He gave up a yeah. single, two walks, and then Boone pulled him. He literally mm-hmm. loaded the bases, didn't get an out, and was pulled. Yeah, Clay Holmes tried doing what he could, or tried to try to do his best with uh with getting out of it, but he almost did. Got a strikeout, and then this is, uh, I think it was a sack fly. Um, yeah. Nah, yeah, but. Oh well, you're not gonna win them all, I guess. That was just unfortunate. I'm now ten and two at my hometown stadium. Yeah, I have a pretty good record there too, and uh, I had a little streak going. I think that I think I had six in a row that was mm. blown last yesterday. So definitely unfortunate. But the most unfortunate part about this series is that you know don't look now, but the Yankees now go into the into the All Star break in fourth place in the NL East because Toronto jumped them with a win in Chicago, uh, with a series win in Chicago this weekend. So they took care of their Chicago team. We didn't. And now we sit in fourth place. We're six back of Baltimore and eight back of Tampa. So honestly, I feel like fourth and third place is a totally different thing to think about when you go into the All-Star break. The Yankees are in fourth place right now. They're they're one game out of fifth place. So that's... uh... That's great. Um, so yeah, they have a whole week to um, they have a whole week to figure it the hell out because that's that's you're now your entire season's in jeopardy. You're not even in a playoff spot anymore. Um, you're out of the wild card, and you're now you're in fourth place in the division. So, do you hope for a second half? All you can hope for is a is a second half flip of the switch. Um, that's really it because you know. I mean, there's just what we have. There's there's so much questions that just go into you know into just the next half of the season. Um, you know, whether with Judge or whether it's you know can can Severino figure it out? Can the offense finally start clicking together? You know, is 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 Stan gonna finally you know just get his swing back? Can Rizzo hit home run or something? Like like you know. Can we get a glimpse of DJ that we, you know, that we used to see in 2019, 2020? Like, you know, it's just nobody, this team is not, seems not doing, doing what they're supposed to do. Um, how do you feel going into the all-star break? Not great. Um, the bullpen has been really good, but there are obviously questions in the starting rotation with Severino and with Nestor. We don't truly know what Rodon's going to be. We don't know if he's going to stay healthy. Clark's been up and down. I really the only guy in the rotation who's been consistent is Garrett Cole, and even though the pitching has been really really good, there has been some inconsistency that you can be worried about. Obviously, offensively, it's been it's been awful. I mean, they're twenty eighth in batting average. Um, they're twenty sixth in on base percentage in baseball. Obviously, we know offensively it's been it's been awful and. I don't know if, you know, a Cody Bellinger and maybe one more piece really pushes this offense into a spot where you can feel good about it. And then we talked about Judge, and Judge continues to be a concern. There's no real timetable. We don't know what we're going to get out of him if we get anything out of him. And if he doesn't come back, I think the season's lost. I I think if if, if Judge is going to be gone for the rest of the year, I don't know if the Yankees are going to make the playoffs at all, even as a wild card team. So coming into the All-Star break, maybe I'm being a little bit pessimistic, Maybe I'm being a little bit negative, but I don't feel great about this team right now. So do you – so remember 21, um, 20, 2021, the offense was just as bad, like 
you know, bad offense, one of the worst in the league. You know, pitching was really the only thing get, getting us going. Did you feel worse last year at, at last year's All-Star break? Or, or at, at that 20, at two, uh, 2021 All-Star break? Or this year's? Because, or like, did you feel worse overall? Like, which year overall did you just kind of feel like worse about? I kind of feel worse about this one because I, I, there, I have like genuine concerns that some of these guys just aren't going to, like, I don't, DJ, like, I'm the biggest DJ fan that you're going to find. I don't know if we're going to see the DJ that we saw ever again. Um, and, you know, in 2021, I, I, I was hopeful that DJ was going, you know, to be a big piece of that offense moving forward. I don't feel that way. Do I? Do we have any confidence that Josh Donaldson's going to be any better than he's been? I don't. If judges are going to come back, obviously that is the biggest piece. Stanton's been super inconsistent. We know he can carry the team for a little bit, but do we have you know the confidence that we have that we've had in Stanton in past years right now? Because I don't know if I do. Volpe's been good, but Volpe is not a guy that's going to carry an offense. He's just not. You haven't gotten enough production out of the catcher spot. Oswaldo Cabrera's been awful. Bader's been really good in spots, and then there's also times where he hasn't been good. He didn't have a good series here. There hasn't been enough consistency offensively for me, and I don't have enough confidence in some of these guys that they're going to bounce back. So for me, it's this year. Yeah, and it's even like, you know, yeah, it's even like how just the team was kind of built in 21. You know, you had the, you had the, you didn't have to worry really so much about the injuries aside from like Judge and Stan. Like Judge and Stan were just your injury guys. You know, Judge and Stan were, he like, you know, if they can just stay healthy, you know, like what can this team be? Now it's like completely flip the switch. You know, can everyone stay healthy? Can everyone. Can everyone just finally figure it out, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's kind of just comparing that because this team is at, because just like 21, this team is now at best a wild card team. Like, that's, that's, we're, at, we're going to have to, you know, battle in a game one, in a, in a game 163 to, to get into the playoffs or like, you know, one, one of those things, you know, like it's going to be, it's going to be a whole, it could be uh, it could be really really interesting towards the end of the year with the whole you know wild card and playoffs and you know whether this team even makes it anywhere near that so you know what what, what I don't know it's just what's your confidence level really as well like right now it's not too high like if, if we're doing like a scale out of ten maybe like a three four like I don't feel very confident that this team is going to be. much better than they have been so far that we've seen so far this year. Yeah. You really went Dave Portnoy on that scale. I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's a typical, typical Dave. Um, he's not a Yankee fan. He's more of a, he's more of a, he's more of a Sox fan. Yeah. Not a, not a respectable guy with that one, but yeah. Uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be really interesting with uh, how this year plays out, especially with uh, the way this team's rolling. Hey, do you have any like maybe like I don't know like trade deadline like do you, like what's your, what's your need like what what starting pitcher obviously third base and left field. I mean, yeah, obviously you need a left fielder, and I think Cody Bellinger obviously is the easy answer, but I think it's a good answer. I mean, him in. The Bronx with the short porch obviously can be dangerous. He is he's been playing center field all year for Chicago, so I think it would be an easy transition for him to play left. And I think it would fill some holes. You get a lefty bat in the middle of your lineup. I think he would be, you know, a guy that you could put in the middle of the lineup every day. 
there are obviously other options in the outfield, but I think an outfielder, especially with Judge being down right now, is the biggest concern. And yeah, probably probably an infielder. Whether you know whether it's you know a DFA Donaldson kind of deal, they go with a third baseman, or you know maybe we get some inklings that you know they try to trade Glaber again. I know they try to do that at the last deadline and maybe get a guy in who could play some second base. You know with some with some better offensive numbers. I don't know what the case may be, but for me, left field is the biggest concern right now. Yes, one hundred percent. Is they keep throwing IKF and out, out, they keep throwing IKF out there. I mean, we had a nice outfield in Game Three. Honestly, I was fine with the McKinney, Stan, and Bader. I mean, that's like defensively, that's you know, a, that's just a, that's the best outfield you could, you have right now defensively. So I mean, um, that was fine. I mean, that's I was, I was kind of fine with that. Um, I mean, I wonder because you know last year they did some with they they threw they threw Carpenter in right field. You know, I wonder. You know, if they're because I know they're always hesitant with Stan. You know, if they're gonna if now that Bowers is on the IL, I mean, do you ever think they're gonna just kind of throw that one person out there? Is there I'm anyone honest, out there to? Is there anyone out there to throw? Honestly, I'm sick of seeing outfielders in our outfield that aren't outfielders. I, yeah, I, it's true. We have enough of those guys on the roster that like if you need a, an emergency outfielder, go to Bowers or go to IKF. Like we don't need another one of them. I need I need a guy who actually plays the outfield. Yeah, no, I was just wondering. I mean, yeah. yeah, we already we already have a carpenter. I guess it's IKF this year. Yep. And then one more quick thing before we get out of here. Obviously, the draft happened last night, first couple of rounds. George Lombard Jr., a Vanderbilt shortstop commit, was selected with the 26th pick by the Yankees. Obviously, we'll have a lot more information on him as time goes along, but I did just want to point that out. For this week coming up, you, Keith, are going to be on vacation, so I'm going to try to get something out to you guys at some point this week. Um, in terms of like a fun, maybe a different type of style podcast, maybe something to have to do with the deadline or, you know, something that's different. Obviously, there's not going to be a recap episode because the Yankees aren't going to be playing a series to begin the week. But you're going to be on vacation. Enjoy your vacation. I will be coming at you guys at some point early, early in the week with a different podcast. And other than that, enjoy your All-Star break. Enjoy the Home Run Derby, the All-Star game. Hopefully, Garrett Cole makes an appearance in the All-Star game. I know there was a little inkling that he might start it. If he does or doesn't, hopefully he has a you know a good outing in there. Enjoy your week, and we will be talking to you guys in the next couple of pods. Let's go, Yanks.